0: From executive producer Isaac Saul, this is Tangle. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Tangle podcast, a place where you get news from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking, and a little bit of Isaac's take. And as you may have guessed, I am not Isaac Saul. My name is John Lawl. I am the YouTube and podcast editor here at Tangle, and uh, I'm filling in because Isaac is traveling today, actually over to my neck of the woods in Los Angeles, to speak on a panel at the American Democracy Summit. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Senator Bob Menendez, the New Jersey Democrat who, along with his wife Nadine, were indicted on federal bribery charges. Before we get started, I just wanted to give a quick note. Because Isaac is traveling today, we thought it would be nice if rather than skip the podcast, I would fill in for him so our listeners don't miss a beat. Like many of you, I'm a long-time subscriber to the Tangle newsletter, but for any number of reasons, it can be hard to find time to read it every day. So when Isaac started doing the podcast, I was thrilled because it made keeping up with Tangle a whole lot easier for me. I know many of you out there feel the same way, so I just wanted to say thank you to Isaac for giving me an opportunity to fill in. And thank you to all of the loyal readers and listeners who make Tangle a thoughtful and welcoming community to be a part of. Okay, with that out of the way, we're going to kick things off today with some quick hits. First up, the Writers Guild of America is set to vote on a new three-year contract, which could potentially end the union strike today. Details on the contract are still sparse. Number two, the Texas gunman who killed 23 people in a 2019 attack at a Walmart has agreed to pay more than $5 million to the families. The shooter was sentenced to 90 consecutive life sentences. Number three, the United Kingdom police have opened an investigation into the sexual assault allegations against actor and influencer Russell Brand. Number four, Governor Ron DeSantis, the Republican from Florida, and Governor Gavin Newsom, the Democrat from California, are planning to debate each other in November, according to Fox News. Fox News host Sean Hannity will moderate. And number five, Stephen Chung, the spokesperson for former President Donald Trump, deleted a social media post and reversed course after claiming Trump purchased a gun during a campaign stop at a South Carolina gun store. It is a federal crime to receive a firearm while under felony federal indictment, or to sell a firearm to someone under felony federal indictment. A high-ranking Democratic U.S. senator who is no stranger to facing down federal prosecution is proclaiming his innocence against serious new charges tonight. Prosecutors in the Southern District of New York have indicted New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez on federal bribery charges. The 39-page indictment accuses Menendez and his wife of accepting cash and gold bars in exchange for protecting three New Jersey businessmen and aiding the Egyptian government. Menendez denies the allegations. The senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in exchange for Senator Menendez using his power and influence to protect and to enrich those businessmen. On Friday, Senator Bob Menendez, the Democrat from New Jersey, and his wife Nadine were indicted on three federal bribery charges related to corruption, including secretly aiding the government of Egypt and attempting to influence several prosecutions in exchange for cash, gold, and other valuables. Menendez, a high-ranking Democrat who sits on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, has denied the charges and so far refused calls to resign, though he did step down as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The three-count indictment alleges that Menendez helped orchestrate a plan to increase U.S. assistance to Egypt and corruptly help a friend of his wife, Egyptian-American Weal Hana, who founded a halal meat certification business in New Jersey. Nadine Menendez was also accused of acting as a go-between for the scheme, passing messages to Hana. Menendez was also accused of using his position to influence criminal investigations into two New Jersey businessmen, Fred Davies, a real estate developer and Menendez fundraiser, and Jose Uribe, who works in trucking and insurance. The central charge in the indictment is that in 2018, Mrs. Menendez, then Nadine Arslanian, and Hana arranged meetings between Egyptian officials and Senator Menendez, whom she had just started dating. During the meeting, Egyptian officials made requests related to foreign military sales and financial aid. In return for Senator Menendez's promise to facilitate those sales, Hanna said he would put Arslanian on his payroll in a job that required little to no work. In 2019, the Egyptian government made Hanna's company the sole entity in the United States that authorized halal meat imported from Egypt as being prepared according to Islamic law. After a U.S. Department of Agriculture official alleged the deal created a monopoly and harmed U.S. interests, the indictment says Senator Menendez intervened, calling the official to insist he drop his opposition. In another instance, Menendez is alleged to have obtained sensitive, non-public information from the State Department about the number of people serving at the U.S. Embassy in Egypt, which he texted to his wife, who then forwarded the message to Hana, who in turn sent it to an Egyptian official. At another point, Mrs. Menendez complained to her husband that she had not received a check from Davies and asked if she should text him. Senator Menendez told her, no, you should not text or email. Shortly after, Mrs. Menendez called Davies and was then issued a $10,000 check from Hanna to a consulting firm she runs. In exchange for pushing to increase assistance to Egypt and attempting to intervene in the investigations, Menendez and his wife purportedly accepted cash, gold, payments toward a mortgage, a luxury car, and other valuables. When investigators searched the Menendez home and a safety deposit box under Mrs. Menendez's name, they found $550,000 in cash. Much of it was hidden in closets, clothing, and a safe, and some cash had the DNA and fingerprints of Davies on it. The investigators also found more than $100,000 worth of gold bars, photos of which were included in the indictment. Investigators also say Menendez once entered a search query online that asked how much is one kilo of gold worth. Mr. Menendez rebuked the charges, saying the issue will be successfully resolved once all of the facts are presented. He claimed he keeps the cash for emergencies because of his family's history of being raided in Cuba, and also alleged that he is being targeted by both federal prosecutors and lawmakers because he is a prominent Latino. It is not lost on me how quickly some are rushing to judge a Latino and push him out of his seat, Menendez said in a statement. Several prominent New Jersey Democrats have called on Menendez to step down, including Governor Phil Murphy and the New Jersey Democratic Party chair. New Jersey Representative Andy Kim announced he would run against Menendez if he doesn't resign. California Representatives Adam Schiff and Katie Porter have both called on him to resign, as have Representative Alyssa Slotkin from Michigan and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. Ocasio-Cortez also pushed back on the idea he was being targeted for his ethnicity. As a Latina, there are absolutely ways in which there is systemic bias. But I think what is here in this indictment is quite clear, she said during a CBS interview. However, Senators John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, and Peter Welch of Vermont are the only Democrats in the Senate to have called for his resignation. Senator Majority Whip Dick Durbin said Menendez should enjoy the presumption of innocence, while fellow New Jersey Senator Cory Booker has so far remained silent. Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer issued a statement Friday praising Menendez as a dedicated public servant. This isn't Menendez's first corruption allegation. In 2017, he was charged with helping a Florida eye doctor navigate allegations of Medicare fraud in exchange for $1 million worth of gifts and campaign contributions. That trial ended with a deadlocked jury in 2017. Today, we're going to break down some reactions from the left and the right, and then Isaac's take. First we're going to start with what the left is saying. The left largely agrees that Menendez should resign given the gravity of the charges. Some suggest recent Supreme Court rulings on corruption cases have emboldened politicians like Menendez to behave with impunity. Others point out the differences between Republicans and Democrats in their responses to corruption within their own ranks. In the Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin said, Democrats need to shove Menendez off the stage. The Democratic Senator's indictment refutes the GOP's enraged allegations on full display Wednesday in House Republicans' interrogation of Attorney General Merrick Garland over the indictment of Hunter Biden that the Justice Department has been weaponized against Republicans. Yet this is a moment of choosing for Democrats. Unlike their GOP counterparts, they should not feel compelled to cover their eyes and ears when one of their own appears to be caught red-handed, Rubin wrote. Republicans' refusal to do the same with figures like George Santos and Trump is precisely why Democrats need to shove Menendez off the political stage. If they want to be the guardians of democracy, the rule of law, and truth-telling, they cannot mimic Republicans' partisan hackery. Democrats have risen above partisanship before. During the early stages of the Me Too movement, Senate Democrats pushed out Senator Al Franken, Who resigned in 2017 over conduct that was much less egregious and certainly non-criminal than that alleged against Menendez. One could argue that they acted too hastily with regard to Franken, but at least they understood that partisanship can be too high a price to pay, Rubin said. And to be politically crass, there is zero downside for Democrats to insist Menendez go, Murphy would appoint a successor, and the deep blue state would surely elect a Democrat to fill the seat in 2024, when Menendez's term is up anyway. In The Guardian, David Sirota said, blame the U.S. Supreme Court for the Bob Menendez scandal. The allegations against the lawmaker are all too predictable in a country whose judiciary has been effectively telling politicians that corruption is perfectly legal, Sirota said. But if the alleged facts in the indictment prove true, the big question is, why would any politician think they could get away with something so brazen? Perhaps it is because Menendez knows that to secure a conviction, prosecutors will have to prove that it was illegal for him to accept the gifts in exchange for a performance of an official act. And like every U.S. politician, Menendez almost certainly knows that while it may seem straightforward, the corruption-plagued Supreme Court has deliberately made it anything but. Less than a decade ago, justices reviewed a case that echoed today's Menendez scandal. This one involved Bob McDonald, a former Virginia governor and Republican, whom a federal jury found guilty on 11 counts of conspiracy for accepting lavish gifts from a businessman in exchange for gubernatorial favors. However, Supreme Court justices unanimously overturned McDonald's conviction in 2016 on the grounds that those favors were permissible, Sirota wrote. The court has, for years, been legalizing and personally engaging in similar kinds of corruption. At the same time, top Democrats are constantly assuring justices that no matter how repugnant their behavior, there will be no serious challenge to their power. In New York Magazine, Jonathan Chait compared how Trump and Biden treat indicted crooks on their own side. Five years ago, the Justice Department indicted two Republican members of Congress, Chris Collins and Duncan Hunter, for insider trading. President Trump publicly berated Attorney General Jeff Sessions for putting two Republican-held seats at risk. Trump went on to fire Sessions and eventually pardon his two allies. In response to the Menendez indictment last week, Biden has said nothing. No attacks on the Attorney General, no complaints about hurting Democrats or insisting the real crimes are on the other side. Likewise, Biden has stood aside as the department has brought criminal charges against his son without threatening the AG or interfering with the investigation. This may seem totally banal. And indeed, in the pre-Trump era, Biden's behavior would have been normal and unworthy of comment. Yet it has become an article of faith on the right that Biden has corrupted the Justice Department, Chait wrote. The reality staring Republicans in the face is that Biden is at least making a good-faith effort to respect the Justice Department's independence. Their party's leader makes no pretense of respecting judicial independence and is instead promising to reduce the Department of Justice into a Putin-esque tool of nakedly biased partisanship. The only possible way Republicans can justify such a grave step is to tell themselves the other side is just as bad. That's it for what the left is saying, which brings us to what the right is saying. The right thinks Menendez is clearly guilty as charged and wonder whether this case will spur additional investigations into corruption in Washington. Some say that Republicans who decry Menendez's abuse of power should apply the same standard to Trump. Others argue that the DOJ is using Menendez as low-hanging fruit to distract from a pattern of targeting conservatives with prosecutions. In the Star-Ledger, conservative columnist Paul Mulshine said Menendez's future prospects are grave and encouraged Republicans to apply the same standard to Trump. Menendez avoided a conviction in the first corruption case, but this indictment is different, Mulshine wrote. The senator has promised to fight on, even playing the race card for good measure in his response to the indictment. In New Jersey, all 120 seats in the state legislature are up in November. The GOP would like nothing more than to run that photo of the happy couple next to a photo of the gold bars the feds confiscated in a raid on their house. Even better would be a Democratic primary fight next year. Kim announced Saturday he will run against Menendez if Menendez somehow manages to hang on until then. But before my Republican friends start gloating, I would remind them that they have the same problem on the national level. Menendez's protestations of innocence are eerily reminiscent of Donald Trump's statements about that perfect phone call in which he begged the Georgia Secretary of State to find 11,780 votes for him, Molshein said. I suspect the Democrats will soon solve their Menendez problem. As for how the Republicans get rid of Trump, this should be a lesson. If all the party leaders at once tell him it's over, then it'll be over. In Red State, Jeff Charles outlined the top five questions Americans should be asking about the indictment. The state's indictment points to a complex pattern of corruption that has become all too familiar in American politics. This particular issue raises a series of questions Americans should be asking when it comes to the conduct of our elected officials. For starters, the allegations against Senator Menendez, his wife, and the three businessmen believed to have been involved in the scandal should make one wonder. Exactly how deep does this corruption run in the Senate or even broader political circles, Charles wrote. The allegations against Menendez span four years. In the time period between 2018 and 2022, there could have been even more people whose hands are dirty. Will the Justice Department unearth even more evidence of corruption involving other prominent Americans or even other state officials? Even further, if this is discovered, will the Justice Department share the info with the American public? We have already seen that the federal government has a serious allergy to transparency as of late, so it is not unreasonable to be suspicious, Charles said. Despite the constant reassurances coming from the state and the elite media, this is yet another reason showing how irredeemably corrupt the federal government has become. In The Federalist, Eddie Scary said, Biden's corrupt Justice Department gets no credit for indicting Bob Menendez. If any previous attempts to prosecute Menendez were serious, whether it be for overseas sex crimes or blatant corruption at home, he would have served at least one day in prison. But to date, that has never happened. He remains a sitting senator, Scarry wrote. The curious and sudden prosecution of a Democrat senator from a reliably Democrat state, which will fill the seat with another likely corrupt Democrat, is a distraction tossed out by Biden's DOJ. It's child's play. Don't eat what they throw on the floor. See, no one is above the law. Democrats are held to account too. The media will dutifully repeat the line, and the faction of the right that prefers publicly whining over actually accomplishing anything will oblige. I'm tempted to believe Menendez exists solely for the Justice Department to claim it's impartial, but I won't say that out loud. Either way, his forever late prosecution is meaningless when the backdrop is the DOJ's multiple charges against the near-certain Republican presidential nominee over nothing. Plus the attempt to keep him from talking about it while campaigning, scary said. A Democrat Senator who should have faced prison time years ago is now in the crosshairs after allegedly accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars, gold bricks, and a sports car in exchange for helping with navigating the government. It changes nothing about how deeply rotted the Justice Department has become. Alright, that's it for what the left and the right are saying, which brings us to Isaac's take. Just to be clear, this is Isaac's take, but I'll be reading it in the first person. So, this is an easy one. Senator Bob Menendez should resign. Unfortunately, by now, most Americans are getting pretty well acquainted with the process of reading indictments of important political figures. When Donald Trump was indicted in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case, I said the indictment was damning. It was thorough, the evidence was presented clearly, and there was plenty of it. Indictments can sometimes read thinly, be complicated, or leave room to wonder if the person being charged actually committed the crimes they're accused of. Other times, indictments can look very bad and leave little doubt about the accused's guilt, leaving questions only on how bad the crime is or whether there is a defense angle we can't totally anticipate. This looks very bad. In my opinion, it's much worse than Trump's classified documents indictment. Not just because the charges are more serious or abhorrent, bribery and corruption, but because the evidence seems more abundant. There are texts and emails. There are fingerprints and DNA. The haphazardness of the evidence is simply comical. Gold bars and cash hidden all over the house. Google searches for how much a kilo of gold is worth and the cliché of an accomplice wife asking via text or email whether it's okay to text or email one of their accomplices in the alleged scheme. What Menendez is accused of is exactly the kind of behavior that makes people so distrustful of politicians. He appears to have literally been trading sensitive U.S. intelligence and favors to the government of Egypt in exchange for cash, gold, and lucrative jobs for his then-girlfriend and now-wife, all while heading the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. It doesn't get much more infuriating or troubling than that. It's also worth pointing out the obvious. Democrats should force him out. If they want to claim the moral high ground on issues like corruption and abuse of power, there should be no equivocating. There's no need to wait for a criminal judgment. What has already been reported is damning enough. And even if Menendez evades a conviction, it's his second time at this radio. And trust in him has been thoroughly obliterated. Kudos to New Jersey Democrats who are wholesale calling for him to resign. I also applaud Senator John Fetterman, who was the first senator to call on him to step down and didn't mince words about it. But where is the rest of the Senate? Three out of 51 Democratic senators calling for him to resign is hardly inspiring. Majority Leader Schumer? Everyone else who has spent the last few years of the Trump era talking about the importance of holding politicians to a high standard, or how we should put faith in the Justice Department, should be speaking up now. Menendez is innocent until proven guilty, of course. But the question of his future isn't just a legal one, it's a political one now, too. Even just out of sheer self-interest, it'd be idiotic to let this fly. Menendez is 69 years old and has already dragged the party through one corruption trial. He can safely be replaced by a Democrat either via Governor Murphy or an election. Letting him stick around wouldn't just be unethical, it'd be stupid politically. He wants to run again in 2024, and this is just about the only Democrat I can think of who'd be vulnerable in deep blue New Jersey against a Republican. At the very least, if he refuses to leave, Democrats should allow a field of challengers to beat him at the ballot box. All right, that is it for Isaac's Take, which brings us to Your Questions Answered. Just like the last section, this is Isaac's answer to this question. I'm just reading it in the first person. This question comes from Didi in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. Didi says, You say Biden did not cause an oil production reduction. He killed the pipeline from Canada through the USA. How did that help us? So I've got to give you credit. This is a pretty slick question. If we were on a debate stage together, I'd probably have my hands full finding an answer. Fortunately, I get to write one out. So I'll answer the question first by countering the premise of it and then by agreeing with your implication and sharing the argument against both of our positions. One, you say Biden did not cause an oil production reduction. To be clear, I didn't say that. In a recent answer to a reader question asking if Biden's energy policies caused inflation, I said the United States' production of crude oil has been steadily increasing since Biden took office and is near the all-time high we hit right before the start of the pandemic. It may sound like splitting hairs, but those are two very different things. It is possible that some of Biden's policies or actions reduced production growth, but did not reduce total production. Two, he killed the pipeline from Canada through the USA. It's true that Biden cancelled the Keystone XL Pipeline, which I think is what you're referring to, on his first day in office. But he isn't the only party responsible for its ending. President Obama initially cancelled the production of the Keystone XL Pipeline during his term. Then, after President Trump reauthorized the pipeline, a federal judge blocked the order, saying that a lack of reasoned decision to reverse a well-studied action violated the Administrative Procedure Act. Then finally, the developer officially canceled the project later in 2021. The Obama administration, legal challenges, a judge's ruling, and even the Trump administration's legal failure played their part before Biden's decision, which amounted to the last punt in an unfortunate game of political football, as the American Petroleum Institute put it. Three, how did that help us? This is reframing the question and a non sequitur in context. You first brought up a claim about oil production, Then asked how not having this pipeline would help us. Crude oil coming to the United States through pipelines or any other means would not count towards our crude oil production. It would be an import. That's not to make a judgment on the pipeline one way or another, but just to say that the claims Biden caused a dip in oil production and Biden halted a method of oil imports aren't directly related. Four, on the same note of how did that help us, Here, I will make a judgment one way or another about the pipeline. I never said that I think canceling this pipeline would be a good thing. To the contrary, I'm generally pro-pipeline, so you're asking me to argue for a position I don't hold. I think pipelines provide a safer and more efficient way of transporting oil than shipping it overseas through ships or overland through trucks or trains, And importing crude oil through a pipeline from a neighboring ally like Canada is more geopolitically secure than obtaining crude oil from almost anywhere else. That said, and since you asked, the argument in favor of canceling this pipeline is that Canadian crude oil from the Alberta tar sands is more carbon intensive to obtain and refine than most crude oil, and building this pipeline would cause a further investment in using that oil. Next up is our under-the-radar section. Israel says its citizens will soon be permitted entry to the U.S. without a visa, though U.S. officials said the announcement was premature. Citizens of 40 countries are permitted to enter the U.S. for up to 90 days of tourism or business without a visa, a status that is a prized possession for many foreigners. However, the U.S. has held off on accepting Israel because Israel doesn't guarantee that all U.S. passport holders are treated reciprocally when traveling the other direction. Israel has separate entry requirements, restrictions, and screening procedures for Palestinian-Americans who often complain of visa denials and harassment when traveling to Israel. In July, Israel began a trial program to demonstrate it's not discriminating against U.S. passport holders of Palestinian origin, but U.S. officials say the trial hasn't gone on long enough. Bloomberg has the story and there's a link in today's episode description. Alright, next up is our numbers section. The number of cases reported to the U.S. Sentencing Commission involving bribery in 2022 was 228. The percent increase in bribery offenses in the U.S. between 2018 and 2022 was 6.5%. The percentage of bribery offenders in 2022 who were men is 77.3%. The number of bribery offenders in 2022 in the Southern District of New York is 26, the most of any district in the U.S. for that year. The average prison sentence for bribery offenders in 2022 was 23 months. The number of federal cases against current or former federal lawmakers from the Republican Party since 2000 is 9, according to CNN. The number of federal cases against current or former federal lawmakers from the Democratic Party since 2000 is 8, according to CNN. Okay, and last but not least, our Have a Nice Day story. Researchers from Western and Brown University have made groundbreaking progress towards treating preeclampsia. Up to 8% of pregnancies globally are affected by preeclampsia, which is the leading cause of maternal and fetal mortality due to premature delivery. But researchers have identified a toxic protein, Cis-P-Tau, in the blood and placenta of preeclampsia patients. According to the study, Cis-P-Tau is a central circulating driver of preeclampsia, a troublemaker that plays a major role in causing the deadly complication. An antibody developed by Dr. Cho in 2012 to target the toxic cis tau protein is currently undergoing clinical trials in human patients suffering from TBI and Alzheimer's disease, and has shown promising preliminary results in treating the brain conditions. The results have far-reaching implications. This could revolutionize how we understand and treat a range of conditions from pregnancy-related issues to brain disorders, Dr. Liu said, a fellow researcher on the study. Science Daily has the story, and there's a link in today's episode description. All right, everybody, that is it for today's episode. If you want to support our work, go to readtangle.com and become a member. Thanks again for tuning in today, and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. We've got a bunch of videos up there. We've got a new one coming out later on this week. And we'll be right back here same time tomorrow. Have a good one.